So again, good morning. Thank you for being part of our ministry. We're so thankful that you uh, take your time out on Sunday mornings or whenever you get around to listening to us and and listening to our messages and our our lessons. Uh, it's a labor of love. I do thank you for being part of it. And hopefully the Lord can speak to you. He speaks to me each week through the preparation. So hopefully he can speak to you through the uh, message of his word. Not again, not what David Barber says, but what God's word has to say. So we're, uh, um, we are um, going to be today, Jeremiah chapter 38 and verses 14 to 23. Before we begin, let's start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we're so thankful we have this opportunity. We can come and we can worship you through studying your word. I pray, Lord, for me as I'm a little under the weather, a little fatigued or whatever. And I just pray, Lord, that you would give me the strength to do what I need to do during this time period. Help me, Lord, to present the gospel in the way that you would have it be presented, to present your word and your message and your meaning. I pray, Lord, now that you would bless those who are hearing it. Those who, Lord, have taken their time to watch or listen to this uh, video or podcast, Lord, that you would help them to be able to understand them and apply it in their lives. And, Lord, that you can say that it was good to have been here today. Again, we thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. We pray your blessings on not just what I say, Lord, but around the world where the gospel is preached. Some places, Lord, that are very hard. And I pray, Lord, for those who dare to stand up against the tyrants, as we see today, stand up even with their lives on the line. I pray, Lord, for them, so unworthy to stand in their stead. But, Lord, I pray for them that you give them the strength and the courage to keep going to be what they should be for you. First, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. So we are um, in... in Jeremiah chapter 38, as I said, and we are going to be, um, we're going to talk today about Jeremiah. I don't like, again, the writers of the lesson, and you know, my God got these glasses on that are uh, the blue tint, so I can see better on the screen, and uh, so if you wonder that pink tint behind it is the glasses, they actually are blue lens, so uh, Jeremiah, uh, we get, before we can Jump into our lesson, we have to spend the time as before. It's kind of like waking up, uh, someone takes you in a car and drops you off somewhere, and you wake up and you look around and you say, where am I? You know, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you got to see your surroundings. And that's kind of the way sometimes the writers are assigned to lesson, takes us and drops us off in the middle of the field, and then we got to figure out where we are. So we're going to spend a little time, make sure you understand, because... To understand the Bible, you've got to understand what he's trying to say because God says the same thing to all of us. We just have to understand what he's saying. To understand what his meaning was, we have to understand what was around the, the study about the Bible, Bibliology. We have to understand the Bible from the historical perspective of when it was done, what was being said. And so that is very important. You can't just read a verse out of Scripture that's out of context because you don't know what he was trying to say. Because he could have said something in a way then that we don't understand it that way today, but his meaning was, was valid back then. 
So we need to understand what he was trying to say because what he's trying to say to them, he's trying to say to us today. Okay. Jeremiah ministered to the nation of Judah from 627 until 580 in the 580s B.C. About 47, 50 years. This was 100 years after the prophet Isaiah. There was five kings that reigned during Jeremiah's ministry. The first one was Josiah. Now, you may remember Josiah. Josiah was, to my opinion, probably one of the best kings ever, including David. King Josiah, was uh, he was a righteous king. He was eight years old when he assumed the throne from his wicked father and grandfather. They were both very wicked men. But at 16 years of age, so he'd been, uh, he'd been, he, had, he had good advisors around him. And at 16 years of age, he began to seek the Lord. You know, the Bible tells us if you seek him, you'll find him. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Well, at 16 years of age, Josiah began to seek the Lord. While restoring the temple that, that his father and grandfather had really just let go into disarray and had put in all kinds of fake books and all, they were using the temple for all kinds of false gods. And, and Josiah said, we got to clean this mess up. So he sent the priest in there to take out all the fake, all the false gods and all that stuff and clean the temple out, purify it. And when they did... They're going through there. They found an old book, the old book of the Bible for their days, the the uh, the Torah. They found a copy of the Bible. Again, their Bibles didn't have the Gospels in it, but it was their Bible. And to understand what they were reading, he went and got the he went and sought sought out God's person. He actually got, remember we had studied this before, uh, he brought in Huldah, the prophetess, to help him better understand the word. So he sought leadership from God's messenger. Then he, as the king, leads the people in a Passover celebration that is probably, that rivals any Passover. And the people of Judah under the king Josiah sought the Lord the rest of his days. And he was king for 31 years. So that means, uh, let's see if I, my math does me correct, 31 minus 8 is going to be, my wife's teaching is 24. So for, is that right? 7, 23, 23 years, I'm sorry. 23 years. So he was king for 20, 23 years. He was a righteous king and sought the Lord. And th during this time period, this was the beginning of the ministry of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah may have been called out because of the ministry that was generated because of King Josiah. See, you don't know what ha happens. If you have godly people, the Bible tells us that the wicked rage on every side when the vilest of men are exalted. Well, it's also true that when the righteous are exalted, the righteous also rage on every side. And so it's probably under the influence of King Josiah that Jeremiah became a prophet. I don't know, but I'm just saying this would be all reasonable. Anyway, Josiah died in battling King the Pharaoh of Egypt. Um, Joe has... 
which is Josiah's third son, uh, usually called Shalom, he succeeded his father on the throne and reigned about three months. Now, he was chosen by the people because he was not the eldest son. And he was chosen by preference of the people around 10, 600, 610 B.C. So if I, my math does me right then, if, uh, if, uh, uh, if Jeremiah's ministry began in 627 and uh, King Josiah... I mean, jo Jehoaz took over in uh, 610. That would be then 17 years that Jeremiah was a prophet during the reign of godly King Josiah. That surely laid a foundation for Jeremiah of knowing what was right. Well, Pharaoh Necho was sent to Jerusalem to depose uh, jo jo Jehoaz and to fetch him back to Riblah. And he was cast in chains and there taken into Egypt where he died. See, because he he was not uh, following Pharaoh. He was a hothead and, and therefore didn't survive long. And so in place of, his, in place of Jehoiakim, I mean, Jehoaz, Pharaoh set up Elkim, or Jehoiakim, which was another son of Joash, to be the king at age of 25. And he ruled for 11 years. So the king set up Pharaoh. Now, after this, interesting enough, after, Je after Pharaoh set up Jehoiakim, Egypt took no part anymore in Jewish politics. They were defeated by the Chaldeans and therefore didn't have time to worry about Israel. So they set up Jehoiakim and kind of left him to do his own thing. Um, now, he reigned as a vassal of Egypt, but Nebuchadnezzar, the Chaldeans, invaded Judah and forced Jehoiakim to shift his alliance to Babylon. Right? I mean, you understand that. So Jehoiakim was taken prisoner and carried captive to Babylon. This is at the same time that Daniel also and his companions were taken captive to Babylon. So when that same time when Jehoiakim was taken prisoner, so was Daniel and his three and his companions. They were all taken captivity during that wave. Nebuchadnezzar reinstated Jehoiakim on his throne, but treated him as a vassal king. In other words, he would just he would just follow his commands, do what he told him to do. Now, Jehoiakim was bitterly opposed by the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, he, he did not follow. Remember, he did not follow the ways of God. He had, did lip, lip service, but did not do the things that God wanted to do at all. And so as a result, Jehoiakim took this manuscript that Jeremiah had, uh, Jeremiah's prophecies, and had ordered, them, uh, ordered him arrested burned his prophecies, and executed one of his colleagues. So during his disastrous reign, Jehoiakim, there was a return to old idolatry and the corruption of the days of Manassas, which is the grandfather of Josiah. It really turned evil. After three years of subjection to Babylon, 
as in objection, subjection to Babylon, Jehoiakim withheld his tribute, stopped paying the money, threw off his yoke, hoping to make himself independent. I can be independent now. Probably Babylon probably had not really been active in the region for years because they had it all subdued. Well, Nebuchadnezzar then sends in bands of Chaldeans and Syrians and Ammonites to wreck, to, to just havoc them, constantly uh, chastise them, you know, to, to attack them, showing that they needed Babylon's protection. But they treated the, they cruelly harassed the entire country. Well, just an interesting note. What was the sin of Jehoiakim? Well, let me tell you. Jehoiakim's, uh, he, uh, uh, the, in the rabbinical literature, it describes Jehoiakim's as godless tyrant who committed atrocity, sins, and crimes. He's portrayed as living in an incestuous relationship with his mother, his daughter-in-law, his stepmother, and was in the habit of murdering men whose wives he then violated and whose properties he seized. He was a vile, vile man uh, with no moral character whatsoever. Uh, the king came to a violent end and his body was thrown over the walls to convince the besieging army that he was dead. And uh, they took the body and dragged it away. It was buried at the gates of Jerusalem. It says, quote, with a burial of an ass. No respect whatsoever for him. This was in B.C. 599. So we see wicked kings came. Then we have Jehoiakim. And <laughs> Jehoiakim was the son of uh, Jehoshanai, I can't even say his name. Jehoashin versus Jehoiakim. Jehoashin was made king. He was 18 years old at that point, but he only reigned three months and two days. When he was exiled to Babylon with more temple stuff, 10,000 people, 7,000 soldiers, 11,000 craftsmen, and all the best warriors. In other words, Babylon came and took the king and all the, all the uh, good people, all the A crowd, all the temple stuff, the, the people, 7,000 soldiers, 11,000 craftsmen. Only the poorest were left behind. So now we get to Zedekiah. Zedekiah or Matthias, Matthias, he was Jehoiakim's uncle. In other words, he was Joash's, the good godly king's son. He was probably 11 years old when uh, Joash was killed. And he was installed by the king, by Babylon king Nebuchadnezzar, and then renamed Zedekiah. He was 21 years old when he was installed. Now, you would assume that he's seen the errors of his brothers and his nephew as king, but instead he followed their ways. In the ninth year on the throne, Zedekiah rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. As a result, Nebuchadnezzar laid siege to Jerusalem. 
Zedekiah, just like some of his brothers or his nephew, were convinced that Egypt would come somehow or another and rescue them. So in the 11th year of Zedekiah's reign, the city fell to Babylon. So it was only two years after he rebelled. Finally, during the siege, Zedekiah fled the city by night but was captured. Zedekiah's sons were killed before him. He was blinded and taken to Babylon. So they took his sons, they killed their sons in front of him, then they blinded him, they took him to Babylon in chains. Then the Babylon broke down the walls of Jerusalem, they burned the temple, they took the temple articles to Babylon. Zedekiah died in Babylon years later. No doubt a peaceful death is promised, but what awful memories he must have endured in the meantime. So we see that's the environment of our lesson. The setting in today's scripture, if you look at Jeremiah 21, during the siege of Jerusalem, Zedekiah asked Jeremiah to proceed to intercede to the Lord so that the Lord would deliver Judah. And Jeremiah returned God's answer. This was in Jeremiah 21. He said, The only hope that any of the people have is to surrender to Babylon. He says, quote, Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes out and surrenders to the Babylonians who are besieging you will live. They will escape with their lives. Zedekiah heard God's definitive answer, but he didn't like it. How many times do we hear God's word and we just don't like it? We don't like those choices. Uh, can I have choice B? Can I have door number two? False prophets contradicted Jeremiah, making it worse. And preached favorable, more favorable messages, you know. Uh, uh, but God reiterated his message in Jeremiah. So there was a showdown in Jeremiah 27 and 28. Remember, we're in chapter 38 today. But Jeremiah comes to the king, and he's wearing a yoke around his neck as a visual of what would happen to the people. They'll be taken into Babylon as exiles in bondage. Now, there was a false prophet named Haniah who took the yoke from Jeremiah and broke it and said, This is what God says. In the same way, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off thy necks of the nation within two years. So Haniah prophesied false prophets. The Lord then tells Jeremiah to pronounce judgment on Haniah. He said, because you have falsely prophets, you'll be dead before the end of the year. Demonstrating that God's legitimacy of Jeremiah's prophecy, Hananiah died seven months later. That's in verse 17 of that chapter. Now, Jeremiah then sends a letter to those people who are in Babylon already, and he tells them, listen, don't trust these false prophets that are telling you you're coming back. You need to settle in, build your houses and your gardens, have children, seek prosperity of Babylon, for you're going to be there a long time. Matter of fact, in Jeremiah 29, 10, he says, Thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. God prophesied to Jeremiah that it would be 70 years, and it was, by the way, 70 years before they were able to come back. But he tells them, settle down, stay in your place, 
You're going to be there for 70 years. But God promised them that he would restore them to the land. Chapter 32, King Zedekiah takes and confines Jeremiah to the courtyard of the guards. But Jeremiah would not compromise his message. In verse chapter 34, Jeremiah assures, Jeremiah assures Zedekiah that he will die peacefully in Babylon, but that the city of Jerusalem will not escape. Remember, we told you he did die peacefully, but he was blinded and he was not enjoying himself. Uh, God tells Zedekiah, even though Babylon has withdrawn from the city, God himself, so Babylon had withdrawn from the city, and so Zedekiah was getting a little confidence. And God told Jeremiah to tell him that don't you think that if you don't do what I tell you to do, that I can't bring them back. I will bring them back. God himself brought Babylon back to the city. God used this heathen nation to, to judge Israel because of their sins. He said, I, will, I myself will bring them back. I'm going to give the order, God declares, and I will bring them back to the city. They will fight against it, take it, burn it down. I will lay waste to the towns of Judah so no one can live there. God himself used the Babylonians to execute his judgment. As a result, Jeremiah is cast into dungeon because he prophesies that. <laughs> Now he's transferred later to the prison court because of the intercession of Abed-Melech. Abed-Melech. i get it right in a minute. I'm sorry, I'm having those days. Abed-Melech. And uh, so today's lesson, Jeremiah has a secret interview with the king. So now we see, we see the history, we see, we can see the woods around us, we know who we are, Jeremiah here, we know what's going to happen later, we know that the kingdom's going to fall, we know Zedekiah is going to be blinded, we know his sons are going to be, I mean, are going to be killed in front of him, we know all these things. We know Jeremiah has, has told the people in, the, in Babylon, stay where you're at, we know because of that the king threw him in prison. We know that there's people who hate him because there's these false prophets that are saying, no, 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 we're going to restore our kingdom. God's going to restore our kingdom. And Jeremiah knows it's not true. And therefore, now we're here. And the king calls for a meeting with Jeremiah. Things are becoming desperate. Verse 14, our first verse. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him. The king was afraid of what Jeremiah had to say and was afraid more of how people, of how he treated the prophet of God. He was afraid. He knew he had treated the prophet of God bad and he knew judgment would come. So he sent privately for the king, for him, to get, it, to get, it, get his advice. He sent privately. He was afraid of the people too. He didn't want them to know that he was conferring. Those people that wanted him dead, wanted Jeremiah dead, and was prophesying false things, and was telling him false things, <coughs> he was afraid of them. So he called Jeremiah privately. It says, into the third entry that's in the house of the Lord. Meaning, he took him in the third entry in, leading towards or joining the house of the Lord. He took him into a back door. 
Uh, it said, this is the third passage of the gate which lay between the king's palace where the prison was and the temple where the king now retreated for the fear of the Chaldean army. So the king had retreated back into where there's more guards at, right? More protection. And so he went from the prison to there. There's a little gate between. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing. So he says, I'm asking you a word, namely a prediction, a counsel, a comfort from God. The king had done this once before in Jeremiah 37, 17. It wasn't happy. And the king said, listen, I'm asking for your opinion. I want your word. He said, don't hide anything from me. Let me know the worst, he says. He'd, now, he'd already been plainly told what was going to happen because of the action he was pursuing. He'd already been told that. But he said, don't hide anything from me now, Jeremiah. Now, interesting, isn't interesting, when men ask of God and hear the word and don't like it, many just keep doing what they do know is wrong and keep asking in the hopes of getting a different answer. <coughs> you know, Albert Einstein is widely credited at saying this, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. That's what Zedekiah was doing. He kept going to Jeremiah and asking him the same question and getting the same answer, but not making any changes. That's in the definition of Albert Einstein, insanity. Verse 15. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I declare it unto thee, wilt thou not surely put me to death? Now, Jeremiah had suffered a lot in this king. You know, he'd proven that he was untrustworthy. A Zedekiah knew, I mean, the Jeremiah knew that Zedekiah was not controlled by God. I tell you folks this. Don't be surprised when the lost does something wrong. Why are you surprised what the lost does? They're not controlled by God. Don't be surprised. Be surprised when they do good things. But don't be surprised when they do evil. Because their hearts are evil. Because they're sinners. Just like we are. You know, how we, how, how we struggle with sin. And we have the Holy Spirit leading us. People that don't have the Holy Spirit leading them, they can do anything. Think about it. I'm not trying to bad belittle the lost. I'm trying to say we're just like them. If it was not for the Holy Spirit directing us and we fail, and we fail with the Spirit, how did they not fail without the Spirit? You don't know what they're going to do. So Zedekiah, Jeremiah knew that Zedekiah wasn't controlled by God. Uh, he was controlled by his own evil imagination. Uh it, it does not appear that God told Jeremiah to talk to the king. You know, Jeremiah did not receive a call from the God to go to the king because God had already told him these things. And the truth is, Jeremiah in this message today doesn't tell him anything that God did not already tell him. <coughs> He's just seeking his opinion again. So therefore, I'm not saying that Jeremiah wasn't speaking what God told him, but Jeremiah doesn't change his story. This is not a new story. You know, when we tell you when the preacher stand in the pulpit today and preach the gospel, it's not a new gospel. If it is, get out of that church. <laughs> okay? It's the same gospel that God has given us from the beginning. And it doesn't change. God's word never changes. But here they were seeking for something else. And Jeremiah simply uh, was concerned. He says, if I give thee counsel, will thou not hearken unto me? Jeremiah says, even if I tell you, you won't listen to what I say. 
I mean, this has been his experience in the past. He thinks this is an activity of futility because you're not going to listen to me. Now, he was just taken from prison where the king had put him because of his past prophecies. And now the king wanted Jeremiah to risk making the king angry, you know, resulting in even death. You know, he knew the king wouldn't listen to him anyway. So he says, you know, uh, uh, if I give counsel, will they not hearken unto me? Verse 16. So Zedekiah, the king, swears secretly unto Jeremiah. Secretly. See, he didn't let people know this. As the Lord liveth that make us, uh, make, uh, make us this soul, I will not put thee to death. Neither will I give thee into the hands of these men that seek thy life. So he says, So Zedekiah the king swears secretly unto Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord liveth that make us, us his soul. So the king made a commitment to Jeremiah. Now he does it secretly. Because he's afraid of those in his court who hate Jeremiah and want him killed. The king tells Jeremiah that he believes God is the creator. He confesses his faith that he believes God is greater. Does that make him right with God? The Bible tells us that the Satan and the demons believe and tremble. Zedekiah believed and trembled. That did not make him a follower of God. You understand? He believed and trembled. The king tells Jeremiah he believes. He therefore appeals to Jeremiah's faith that God can keep the king's promises. Okay, as God liveth, as God is about, I am in power, I am inducing that God will make sure I keep my promise. See, he was putting his faith, he was putting Jeremiah's faith, not in King Zedekiah, but in God that Jeremiah trusted. He said, I will not put thee to death, neither will I give thee into the hands of the enemy. Zedekiah says, nothing to the prophet about listening to his counsel. Interesting. He did not say, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. I'm going to do what you says. He simply says, I'm going to give you security that I'm not going to put you to death when you finish telling me what you're going to tell me. And I'm not going to turn you over to these evil men who will treat you even worse than I will. He promises that he wouldn't do that. One of the reasons why he was held in prison already was because of fear because Zedekiah was afraid of these people who were his advisors or this evil group that they might overthrow him if he didn't do something about Jeremiah. So you were mad Jeremiah wrote that letter and sent it down there and said they weren't going to be coming back. Verse 17. Then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel. Here we have an excellent advice that Jeremiah gave him with the reasons why the king ought to take it. Here's some excellent advice and the reasons why you ought to take it. The word of the advice of Jeremiah was going to be given were not drawn from any politics or thoughts of his own, but they were given to him in the name of the Lord, the God of hosts and the God of Israel. See, he says, I'm going to tell you what God told me to tell you. By the way, he's already been telling them this. I'm going to tell you what God told me to tell you. My word hasn't changed. God's word hasn't changed. Verse 17b. If thou wilt assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live. See, the king is told to surrender to the king of Babylon's princes who had surrounded the city. Now, these princes, by the way, are named in Jeremiah 39, 1-3. 
It says, In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his armies against Jerusalem, and they besieged it. And the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, the ninth day of the month, the city was broken up. And all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate, even Neglazazar, Samgarbo, Sarsinkum, Rabzari, Neglazazar, Ramab, and all the residue of the princes of the king of Babylon. So the name of these princes, they were all named. And Jeremiah says, If thou wilt surely go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live. He says, Then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and thou shalt live in thine house. If you do this, he says, several times, several things will happen. One, you'll save your soul and live and not die. Number two, if you say you will save the city from the destruction of fire. And number three, you will save your household, your wife, and children from a violent death. Now, must be observed that Nebuchadnezzar was not in person at the siege. He was somewhere else. We know that from Jeremiah 35, 39, 5, and 39, 9. He was not there, but his princes were. His army was commanded by his generals, and their generals were termed as princes. Verse 18. But if thou wilt not go, so he told him what would happen if he goes. Now he says in verse 18, If thou wilt not go forth to the king of Babylon, princes, then shalt this city be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and thou shalt not escape out of their hands. If you do not listen to my word, he said, the following will take place. One, the city will be given by God into the hands of the Chaldeans. They will burn it to the ground, and you will not escape out of their hands. This is a prophecy, by the way, from his attempt to run from them after the city was taken. We know, I read in the introduction, that he was captured trying to flee, fleeing the city. Verse 19, And Zedekiah the king said unto Jeremiah, So now he heard the truth. Listen, if you go out and surrender to the king, and to the, to the princes, that is, then you'll live, and the city will not be burned, and the people will live, and your family will live. But if you don't, you'll die. Your family's going to die, and the city's going to burn down. That's pretty straightforward. That's black and white. You know, people always ask me about black and white. I'm, I have trouble with gray, and I have trouble with black and white. Jeremiah was a black and white guy. This is what you do, and this is the consequences. Good and bad. So it says, uh, Zedekiah the king <clears throat> said unto Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Jews that are fallen to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me to their hands and mock me. So he was afraid of the Chaldeans. When he had given himself over to them, <coughs> he was afraid that when he gave himself over to these Chaldeans, to the Babylonians, that they would take and give him back to the Jews who had already uh, had already been, they were, they were already on the Chaldean side. See, they were, they were already followers of the Babylon. And he's afraid he's going to turn them over to the Jews who he had gone against, right? He feared that they would insult him and deride him. They would hurt his feelings. They would mock him. They, he would go through a, a period of shame. He was conscious that he had acted a base. He had acted uh, in violating the oath of homage and fidelity which he had given to the king of Babylon. He was considered by many of the Jews, especially by those who had gone over to the Chaldeans, as having ruined his country by his uh, measures. 
So the, the people, he was afraid of the people, what they would say. I'm afraid of what they will say to me if I do that. Um, he was more concerned for his honor than for his life and the lives of his wife and children and the safety of the whole city. You know, often great persons are more patient of death than of reproach and dishonor. They uh, would rather die than lose their honor, even when their honor is wrong. King Zedekiah didn't want to lose and wanted to be shamed. He didn't want to go down to history as a king that was shamed. Yet he went down to the king that destroyed the nation because of his sin. Jeremiah said, They shall not deliver thee. Obey, I beseech thee. So beseech thee. The voice of the Lord which I speak unto thee, so it shall be well with thee, and thy soul shall live. Jeremiah said, They're not going to deliver you. They're not going to do that. The Chaldeans, they will not do this thing. They're going to deal with you like a prince. If you surrender, they'll treat you well. They'll treat you like you were the king. Uh, uh, see, God foresees all possible events and the consequences of men. They decide what they do. God gives us choices in life. You know, the Bible says that we're predestined. Man was predestined. We are. Those who choose to serve God are predestined, or those who choose to accept Jesus Christ are predestined to heaven, and those who choose to reject Christ are predestined to hell. There is predestination. From the foundation of the world, God predestined those who would accept to go to heaven and those who reject go to hell. Now, he gives us choices in life, and we can choose the path. Zedekiah had a choice here. Jeremiah said, you've got the choice. Obey, I beseech thee, the voice of the Lord, so it shall be well with thee. Jeremiah pleaded with him. Let not your fears, therefore, respecting the treatment that you're going to see with temptation to disobey the command of God. For if thou doest as thou art advised to do, thou shalt live. Maybe not in splendor as you're living now, but you're still going to live in a comfortable state than if you were taken by city by storm. If you leave, if you do this, you're going to live better than you will if you wait until the city is taken by storm, he said. Verse 21. But if thou refuse to go forth, this is the word that the Lord hath showed me. If you refuse to surrender to the Chaldeans, he said, this is what God is going to tell you. Verse 22. And behold, all the women that are left in the king of Judah's house. Now, there's several possibilities who these women are. It could be those that were left in the royal palace when Jehoiakim and Jehoknai were carried captive. It could be those that were left of famine and pestilence during Zedekiah's house when they left the city. It could be those that were left behind when he made his escape, meaning all his concubines maids of honor and the court ladies. You know, whenever a king took over the king, the other people that were there were still there. You know, they were still part of the king's uh, 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 harem, per se. Um, they were there. And so, behold, all the women that are left in the king's household shall be brought forth to the king of Babylon's princes, so these captains of this army. They'll be brought out to these princes. They'll, they can... Uh, these princes can choose whatever they want to do with them. You know, they can treat them however they want to. So they'll bring these women out to them, 
And these women shall say, Thy friends have set thee on and have prevailed against thee. Thy feet are suck in the mud, suck in the mud, and they are turned away. These women will ridicule Zedekiah. He said, You think you got it bad now? You think these people, well, guess what? If you refuse to do this, these women that are left in your, the women that are left there will come out and will ridicule you. And thy friends, these are the false prophets, the false priests. These were known as the men of peace. They sued the king with promises of peace. They kept telling him, peace, 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 in the face of danger. You know, uh, that didn't make any sense. And they're going to say, they, they have set on thee. They have prevailed against thee. They convinced the king. These men, these wicked men convinced the king to follow their course. He listened to them. Their feet are stuck in the mire. They have you in evil out of which you cannot escape. And they are turned away. They all will flee and not stand with you. They will deny they are to blame for your fall. That's what these women will say. You know, King, if you stay this course, you're on your own. All those people that's talking about peace, they won't be there. The women that you're left behind will ridicule you. Those that are in the palace will talk about you, how you were weak and gave in to listen to these false prophets, these false people. Verse 23. So they shall bring out all thy wives and thy children to the Chaldeans, not the citizens of Jerusalem, the Chaldeans will enter the city and will bring his children and his wives out of the city to the princes. The guards will capture King Zedekiah's wife and his children. Now they've already brought the concubines out or the, 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 or the women that was in the harem. They somewhat set them free, you could say. They took them out and they listened to what they had to say. Then they went and got the king's children and his wives and brought them out of the city to the princes. Not only the ladies at court that waited on him and his queen and before all his wives, his concubine, his children, and his sons. Now they make no mention of their daughters, only the sons who were slain before his eyes. But they brought them all out to them. And it says, Thou shalt not escape out of their hands, but shalt be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon. Zedekiah would attempt to flee. He told him, Listen, when you try to run, you can't run. He would be captured and brought back to Jerusalem. Thou shalt cause this city to be burned with fire. He would be responsible morally for the destruction of the city. His continuing in sin and unbelief. It was all one, it was, it was all one as if he had burned it in his own hands. This is the final plea of the prophet to get the king to listen to his advice. But it was all in vain. Listen, if you do this, your wife and your children and your sons will die violently. What's more important, your family or your pride? Well, King Zedekiah continued to say, we know, even after repeated chastisements from God, repeated messages from God's prophets, a pending doom, King Zedekiah feared the prophecy but feared not doing what his other leaders wanted more. The choice is the same as we face every day. Do we fear what others may say or what God says? Zedekiah chose poorly. He did, didn't he? He cost him his kingdom, 
his sight, his family, and finally his freedom. What will choosing the wrong path cost you? I mean, are you listening to God today? Are you not listening to God today? Yeah, those are the choices. Are you going to listen to God or are you not? Let's stop listening to what others say that will lead you astray and turn back to God. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Bible says it's right, it's right. Don't listen to what men say. Oh, well, that book is dilapidated. That book doesn't mean the same thing. Oh, we must look at, you must understand the society of that day. Yes, you do must understand the society of that day. God's message was clear. God did not change his message because society changed. The message is still true. If you worship idolatry, if you worship evil, if you follow in the path of unrighteousness, your end will be doomed like Zedekiah's. If you follow in the path of righteousness, God will lead you for the paths of the righteous man ordained by the Lord. There was a great man, Bob Jones Sr., said this, Do right, even if the stars fall, do right. Zedekiah did wrong. Even as the stars were falling, he continued to do wrong. Don't let your life end like Zedekiah's. Listen to God today and take the right actions that he's telling you before it's too late. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this message today. I pray, Lord, you help us to see the, the, the weakness in Zedekiah. Understanding his sin, he clearly knew his sin was wrong. And he knew he needed a word from the Lord. After receiving it, he chose not to follow it. Lord, I pray for souls today as they hear the word of God. They know they need the word of God. I pray, Lord, as they hear it, they will obey it. They will fall to your will and get saved today. If there's Lord Christians today that are not following you, I pray for them that you would give them the words. I pray for me. I pray for David Barber right now and my sins, that you forgive me for my sins. Help me, Lord, to follow you. Help me, Lord, to do, to do a turnaround, to be a Jeremiah Christian, listening to the words of Jeremiah as we know the truth and do it. Help us, Lord, do those things. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.